Welcome to the Conversations with Anna podcast. My name is Dr. Anna Stump, the Golden Ticket Professor, a self-proclaimed edutainer. I'm a former business executive turned high school teacher turned college professor. And in the past three decades of that transition, I have spent time with several generations. And with that as my foundation, I have some stories to tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories or interviews that will help you focus on your own truth. I want you to feel accepted, motivated, supported, and then I want you to be able to take what you know about yourself and your truth, go out into this big old world we live in and apply that so you can move forward with a strategy for a more authentic life. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to a conversation with Anna. It's early in the day. So much I wanna do. I dedicate today to breaking rules. I'm gonna stick to a strategy. I'm gonna find out exactly what I'm made of. Is there really something wrong with just smiling the whole day long? Hi, welcome back to Conversations with Anna podcast. It's just me and you today. I don't have a guest. Got some coming up though. But today I want to talk about semantics. I want to talk about a couple of words that I hadn't really thought about very much because ironically, I'm a feeler, not a thinker, as exhibited in my Myers-Briggs and many other of the uh, personality traits that I talked about way back um, in the first few episodes of the podcast. And another reason why I like those. I don't love them. I don't think they're all you need, but I do think that these personality assessments are a fantastic foundation to give you some key attributes that you can draw things from and that you could certainly look for themes. So one of the themes that I have is that I'm more of a feeler than a thinker. I happen to be married to more of a thinker And that's always been something that is super important for us to recognize, which I know that you, if you listened to the episode when Kevin was a guest, you got that. And it's also, you know, all very much tied to our love languages, but it's tied to our parenting. Um, We're raising a little thinker, but he's definitely a feeler as well. So we have to approach parenting Um, as a team and try and balance that. So we have to be like hyper aware of that. And it's so funny because I am so demonstrative and exaggeratory in my communication because I want people to feel what I'm feeling. Um, And, you know, the joke is my husband always says, if somebody ties your hands behind your back, you couldn't tell a story, which I'm sure he's probably thought of, right? At some point, (laughs) like that would be make her quiet. But I am very much into how something makes me feel. And I talk about my feelings all the time. And Kevin is very much a deliberative, you know, thinker, very linear, very logical. So when I tell you something excites him, that is not the same response that you would hear um, when something excites me or see when something excites me. But you can tell his emotions from how he's processing things. And it's just, it's very unique. And I'm not sure what I would do or if I would have made it um, 20 years with someone who was another feeler. (laughs) 
Um, I'm very grateful to have, you know, my counterbalance in my husband and that works for us. And it's not been something that just, you know, clicked together like a puzzle piece. And we were like, okay, our work here is done. No, we have worked at that. But being very self-aware, I think is important. But I have recently run across a couple of articles. One was on LinkedIn by Shane Snow. Uh, It's actually an older article, but it is phenomenal in pointing out how often we misuse think and feel when we are trying to communicate. And I was floored by it and thought, look at this, how impactful this is, especially when I think about my marriage or my friendships, or especially at work or dealing with other people. I talk to a lot of strangers, um, which is super strange for me because I've never met one. You know, I've never met a stranger. And I come across incredibly uh, high energy and relatable, is what I've been told. And I choose to believe that. I'm sure the people that feel otherwise have never mentioned that they don't feel that way. So I never get that feedback. So I'm not operating on that. But I do have to continue to be fully self-aware and put things on my lens about how other people are perceiving what I'm trying to say. And when I was reading this article by Shane Snow, I thought how incredibly impactful it is that we continue to make word choices that may or may not mean what we think it means. And it's definitely not something that the people we are communicating with are going to understand. And what he calls it is a linguistic habit that seems to have gone viral over the last few years. And it is saying things like, I feel like things are going to get better. I feel like Bob doesn't like me. I feel like we should go with plan A. None of those examples, those three sentences I just said, is actually what a person is feeling. It's what they think. So none of what they're actually expressing is their true feeling, right? You can't feel that someone doesn't like you. You can think they don't. You can't feel like things are better or that you have a an opinion on a plan that you should take. Like those are thoughts. You don't feel an opinion. You think it. You can't read Bob's mind you with your feelings, but you can interpret context clues and nonverbals and even verbal things. And you can rationalize those in your mind to form an opinion. But again, you don't feel an opinion. So you are very much thinking things. So as you think about starting sentences with, I feel like you have to really stop and think, is this a feeling or is this a thought? So thinking about this, (laughs) I'm not feeling it, but thinking about this, I um, realized in the 16 personalities and the Myers-Briggs, the T and the F are part of the traits, right? We have thinking and feeling traits, which is kind of what brought me full circle with my conversation about Kevin. But it is the thinking trait that is your approach to problems. And 83% of people that have the thinking trait say that when presented with a decision or anything, they lean on objective information. They lean on knowledge. They want to gather facts. They want to test their alternatives against logic and their past experiences. And 
They want to prove what's most effective or realistic. Now, that doesn't happen over the matter of seconds, right? Like, that is not what happens when you put your hand on the hot stove. You don't think it's hot. You feel the heat and you th- you know then that it's hot. So people with the thinking trait have to consult. They need to deliberate. They sometimes need to consult other people. And the that is compared to 42% of people that have the feeling trait. So, you know, I may have a feeling that something is good, but my husband wants evidence and he wants to um, think about it and he wants to compare it and he may want to seek another person's opinion or some of their evidence or experiences. So making decisions and dealing with outcomes is so completely different. And the way we rely on other people is very different because as a feeler, I'm going to share my feelings and then I'm going to sit back and say, well, what are you going to do with that? (laughs) Where people with the thinking trait are very rational and they feel like humans that are, you know, emotional aren't necessarily rational. So sometimes when I'm sharing my feelings, my husband is looking at me like, okay, just get this out, whatever it is, and let's get to the root of the problem. Like my, my communication, my, the, the trait I lead with my feelings to him is the noise that he has to endure to get to the bottom of something. Well, that's rough for both of us, right? Because I want someone to validate my feelings and have empathy and feel right along with me. And he's looking at me like, are you done with all the emotional talk? Like, let's get to the bottom of the, what can I do? So when you think about feelers, we tend to value and cherish emotions and we want people to follow their hearts. We, we are um, emotional in ways that are sometimes very caring and compassionate and warm. But then I also think about some of my other personality traits. I'm very strategic. I'm very um, outcome oriented. And all of these other things kind of also lead my, my emotions and my feelings to not be always caring and compassionate. So, but it's not even on that analytical or patient end that the thinker has to be on. It's just a whole different way of approaching things based on, again, it's not much different than my, it's my past experiences. Like I'm able to plug into when have I felt like this before? And one of the things that happens to feelers is that we become excessive in our concern and our thought process around other people. And that causes a lot of burnout. It causes us to become too involved, which I think is why you've heard me on this podcast a lot talk about as you get older and your circle gets smaller and you kind of limit the number of people that you give access to you. And I honestly think as I study this more, it's because of that burnout. It's because of that level of involvement. It's because I find myself thinking about how other people are coping with things. And in many ways, that's a gift. In many ways, it's fantastic. But in some ways, I have to have enough self-awareness, enough boundaries, and enough understanding of how this all presents itself for people around me and for myself. And I also think this is another reason authenticity is so important to me, is because I'm opening my heart 
and letting you in and putting you in there and wrapping you up in it. And if you're not being authentic and real, and you've heard me say a lot of times, I will meet you at the halfway point. I say that to my students all the time. Like you show up at halfway and I'm going to be there and we're going to finish this journey together. I'm with you. But if they don't do the work to get there, I'm not waiting around. That seems very harsh sometimes, but it's also my protection of my energy, of my heart, of my feelings, because again, of that burnout. So the head versus the heart piece is something you have to be incredibly self-aware of and recognize in yourself. You also have to recognize it in other people. And again, I've had 20 years with my husband for us to figure all of this out. We had an extended amount of time together, more than we wanted, before we became became parents. And that's helped us figure it out. We had to be very self-aware, which is why I go back to like, we didn't meet till we were 29. So I felt like we were fairly fully formed in these um, traits and attributes and our understanding of them. Then we were together for several years before we became parents. That doesn't mean that this has all been flawless and easy. We still push and pull and we still have to communicate around things. And we still bring up you know, love languages and all of that. But we're very much open about it. We talk about it to our son, we bring it up, we talk about here's where this is different, or here's why you should talk to your dad about that. Or here's why um, when you go to tell your mom this story, you should start with this or that. (laughs) We're trying to help him have that same level of awareness, just not about himself, but how he communicates and is perceived by other people. And sometimes you have to explain to people what your traits are like, and then identify in others. Right now, I'm trying to build a workshop for a leadership academy around this, around the engagement quotient, which is a different EQ in my opinion. You know, we have um, IQ, which is your intelligence quotient. We have EQ, which is your emotional intelligence. I'm trying to build engagement intelligence, which is where you take your IQ and your EQ And as a leader, you look at the people around you and think how best to engage. And you cannot do that solely by yourself. You have to get to know people. You have to understand who they are and give them the freedom, provide the right culture and trust for them to show up truly and wholly as they are, right? That golden ticket piece where you can help them be the best version of themselves at work. Like that is so important to me. And I feel like, I feel like this is part of my purpose, right? And another whole thing I'm going to talk about on a future podcast is another level of semantics. So today I'm talking about feeling and thinking, and I really want to talk about Papa, see, I can't even say it now, purpose and passion, because again, these four words are massively important, but they are not interchangeable. So I don't feel like this is important. I think it's important. See how this you have these habits and you have to break them, which is what I really thought this article on LinkedIn by Shane Snow was so important. I think it is so important because (laughs) these are really bad habits. And it seems very simple just to exchange out two words, But to people that are trying to process the way you're trying to process and present information and your thoughts and feelings, I think it's very important that we nail this down. So because, and he goes on to say in this article, it's easier to change your mind than change your heart. If I think that you hurt my feelings, then I'm rational enough to think that you didn't do it on purpose. 
If I feel only that my feelings were hurt and you were the cause of it, I'm not rational enough to think that maybe you did it and you were not aware, right? Do you see how that kind of builds on itself? And you can really train your mind with these words. So when we say things like we feel, it's far more personal. Our ego gets involved. We get defensive. It's like a psychological, we're, invi- we're inviting our whole body and our whole like system into it. When we say we think something, then we're opening up just our mind for the other person or parties to have like rational interchange. And we can talk about artifacts and evidence and we can have a discussion about something. I also feel like sometimes when we talk about things that are feelings, I get emotional because they're my feelings, especially when everything else is raw, like right now in the middle of a pandemic and this disruption, and we're all just really vulnerable. If I start talking about my feelings, then I really do get some triggers, some emotions and things. And I've never been a good crier at work about stress. I can cry because things are happy or sad. I've just never liked to cry in stressful situations. And I honestly think that had I understood sitting around and talking about my thoughts and opinions would be so much different than talking about my feelings. I'm not saying that's healthy. It was definitely not. Those those 10 years at Walmart where I was trying to hang with the guys, you know, in the, in the man's world. That has completely changed over the last 20 years. And that's all good news. But I think that this is big work. It is big work around two words. So I hope that just this little mini podcast, right? Just a little tiny lesson in thinking and feeling and identifying which you're doing when you want to compare, to share, to invite in a conversation, how simple those little words are, but what they trigger for you internally. When you use the word, I feel like you are opening up your heart. You're opening up everything about you as a feeler. And I think it would be interesting to watch. I'm going to do this. How often my husband might start a sentence with, I feel like, because I don't know that that probably happens very often because he's more of a thinker and feelings come much, 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 much later in a topic or a conversation or an exchange with him because he has to process all of the information first. And I can learn a lot from that. I'm never going to change though. Here's what the thing is super important to understand. I can change the semantics. I can change the words. I can change the approach. I can change the way I present the information, but internally I am not going to change and that's okay. I don't need to change, but sometimes I need to change the way I present information for other people to have a, a much quicker understanding and response and for us to have a better exchange. That's important to note. I'm not trying to change anybody. I'm not trying to say one is better than the other. There are many, many times that when you have to have a difficult situation with someone at work, I would go get a thinker. Not really realizing it, um, but sometimes having a thinker and a feeler, it's kind of like the good cop and the bad cop, I guess. I don't know. But like having two people in the room help process information. Because if I start processing information, telling stories, doing my over-the-top communication thing to some people who are already in a vulnerable situation, having a difficult conversation about their career, that does not go over well. 
to have someone just be able to come in and present the facts and leave the emotions out of it gets us to the root cause and to a solution much quicker. So these are traits and attributes you should understand about yourself, where you are, and be be accepting of it. This is where I'm at with this. And then take a look at the people around you. Who would be a good partner? Who is someone that you would have to run things by or bring into the room when you're going to have a conversation with another thinker or a, a feeler, whatever that might look like. Or if the conversation is one that could go either way. If you need someone in there just to present the facts or if another person needs to be there to help bring more emotion and less like clinical approach to the whole thing. So these are very excellent traits to recognize in ourselves and other people, as well as the importance of which word to use. So I have written these on post-it notes. I'm so addicted to post-it notes. It's crazy. I probably should just clear out a wall and do a bunch of post-it notes, but then I wouldn't know which ones to look at, I guess. But I'm going to write thinking and feeling on this post-it note, and I'm going to put that on my lens figuratively and literally for a few weeks and try and do a better job with my word choice around that because there really truly is a difference. I cannot continue to tell my husband that I feel something that is really a thought and how much quicker he could jump on board with me thinking something and understanding the trigger in his mind that this is about to be an opinion that I can form, um, you know, my own response to from, you know, the data, from evidence, from past experiences, the way he likes to communicate. I'm pretty sure when I feel something like he starts to feel his heart rate increase because he's like, oh, this is the part where we talk about the feelings. Okay. Like, you know, it's just different conversation for him. And I am not always leading with the right word. This was fascinating to me. I don't know if it's fascinating to you. I have found it very helpful to research this. And I was very much involved in this Shane Snow article because it is very long. I'll put the link to it in the show notes, but it's on LinkedIn. It was long. And I was like, this is, this is a lot. This is heavy. Okay. Um, he uses the word ubiquitous in the title, which is one of my favorite words. And a former colleague of mine is a favorite word of his. And we laugh about it all the time because it's just a great word. So that's honest to goodness. Why I read the article is because it were used the word ubiquitous in the title. <laughs> so, um, I could do a whole nother podcast about how important it is to title things. Right. Um, but Shane knocked that one out of the park for me. And I was really impacted as I read through the article. And then honestly, started thinking and feeling about where have I heard those words and why are they so impactful? And that's when it hit me about the Myers-Briggs and the 16 personalities and going deeper into that. And I do love 16personalities.com. I think that they do an incredible job of content that they break down in a very easy way to digest that reminds you of your personality attributes. And again, these are not psychological. They are not clinical. They are not tested and proven necessarily. They're based off of, you know, Carl Jung and all those things. But it is so important for you to constantly have on your lens who you are and what that means where you are. Not to try and change yourself, but to try and understand that you know, not just point, your point, who you are, how you process, but counterpoint, those people around you that are similar and those people around you that are different and how you should approach and look for cues. So I think that is just really a truly important 
part of our journey to know, accept, love, and then go out and empower ourselves. I hope that this made sense. I think that it's really impactful. I hope you'll read either one of these articles or take a look back at your Myers-Briggs or 16 personalities. Identify your thinking and feeling traits, which ones come more naturally, which ones are a struggle, and then help yourself help those around you understand, is this your feelings? Is this your, you know, emotional reaction to something? Or is this your opinion? Is this your thought? Are we about to dissect, you know, facts and and evidence? So this was an entire podcast about vocabulary, but it is very important vocabulary and goes back to being truly authentically you and accepting that. So hopefully you found something useful in that. Click on these article links in the show notes. Join us in our Facebook group. We definitely need more people in there to make it um, more engaging. And I really want to try and do some Facebook lives. I need to do better with that, just showing up and talking about things. And looking forward to a couple of guests coming up in the future podcast. So be looking forward to that. Keep us on your download, auto download. So you just open your app and there we are. That's the best part. Go out and have a great week.